everyone, and welcome to the Indie Film Who Done It, where we <laughs> describe to you, the audience, who did it in a mystery of murders. And right now in the room, we have me, Dan, and Jared over there. And um, yeah, so this is going to be, I feel like it's going to be pretty easy. Pretty quick, yeah. Pretty, so, pretty quick. Here, here we go. So um, I know it, it was Jared because Jared is standing over the dead body with a okay. knife in his hand and there's blood dripping from the knife onto the dead body where he has freshly cut out the person's heart um and buried it under the floorboard he's he's covered in blood <laughs> and it, as a result he's wearing red so he's obviously the killer let's not jump to conclusions you're right okay the i feel like you're really oh you're saying you're that really i could giving be the me killer? a lot of negative energy right now <laughs> How could I be the killer, Jared? All right, I did it. <laughs> Stab. <laughs> oh, you gotta love murder. You know, sometimes you just gotta kill some people. What's the big deal? Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Dan, why all the killing? Because you killed me right now. I can't talk. <laughs> oh, Dan, you're... Uh, Yes. Are you alive? I'm alive. You, okay, okay, yeah. okay um, thank you. So all the, <laughs> all the killing because we watched a film called Who Dun 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 It. Um, beautiful title by um, a filmmaker named Thomas Tulak, I believe. Is, Thomas Tulak. 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 And there's something very special about oh. Thomas, isn't there? Yes, there is. He's our special little boy. So the other week, it almost seems like we we reference Hook like a lot on the show. Not we do once. constantly. <laughs> so he heard one of our episodes where we were talking about Hook, and he's like, "Hey, by the way, um, I was one of the lost boys on Hook. He's the smallest lost boy that gets to blow out the candle at the end of the movie." I thought that was so fun, and he's also a, a, a Patreono too, which was super nice of him. He's now in our best boy category just for being in the movie hook mm -hmm. i am that much closer to dustin hoffman now um that's right <laughs> we're getting there we're getting there and i'm getting closer to becoming rufio in real life <laughs> uh, uh so thank you thomas we really appreciate it uh you making this film sending it to us and being a patreon and listening to the show yes all of those things help triple me and Dan get the vitamins and minerals we need to keep going, <laughs> to grow up to be healthy young boys. Healthy young so, lost boys. Appreciate you. All right, Dan, uh, who done 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 it? Synopsis, please. Thank you. So this is a film. It's, it's a typical whodunit story. That's a good where, start. That's a great start. Where people... They show up to a house in a dinner party, and then somebody dies, and then they have to figure out who killed that person, basically. So it's it's a classic tale. It's a classic tale, but it's a refreshing look at a classic tale. It's very, mm. very, very self-reflexive to a degree I wasn't even expecting. I mean, they take that fourth wall, and they just shatter it <laughs> on bended knee. It's kind of insane. It's out of control. Yes, <laughs> this movie's out of, control. out of control. So, Dan, questions for you. Yes. This is a comedy. This is a comedy. The thing I always ask whenever we watch a comedy is, did this film make you laugh? How did you feel about the comedy? What's up? There were a couple scenes that I was laughing, like chortling at, like laughing out loud at. Chortling. Um, A lot of it was making me smile. It wasn't as funny as I wished it could have been. Mm, yeah. I kind of feel the same way. But... 
the writing, I think, was not necessarily focused on the comedy so much so as it was focused on being self-reflexive and maybe that is a fault i don't know hmm. um I, I i there like i said most of the time i was smiling like that the, the mm-hmm. so so my 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 meter of uh, my my sliding scale of of comedy is yeah smiling and I'm laughing out loud. So most of the time I'm in the middle, I'm just smiling. I'm getting my way through it. There were a couple times that I'm laughing out loud. There were a couple times that I'm like, meh, but most of it was just, you know, middle of the road for me. Yeah. It feels like sometimes the self-referential nature of the film kind of gets in the way of the comedy. Well, okay. Th- I, that is 100% what happened, but let me clarify. I didn't mind that at all. Because ah. I was super into the self-referential aspect of the film and how far they took it. Mm-hmm. I want to revisit this once we get into spoilers. It went into a different category for me as soon as I started to realize what this was about. Because it was not necessarily about making a whodunit comedy-esque thing. It was more about making a film about making a film. Yeah, I mean... The whole thing of, like, figuring out the mystery, I don't even know if there is a mystery. No, there's like, not. It's, that, that was the whole it, point. The, who the murderer is does not matter. No, and they say that <laughs> at the end of the movie. <laughs> and really is not the point of the film. I thought that was very interesting. Um, I had just seen a film recently, Daniel, called See How They Run, which is also kind of like a weird meta version of the classic whodunit mystery. Now, that film doesn't really... Well, it kind of breaks the fourth wall in a couple scenes, but not as much as this one. But it, it I couldn't help but think about that film while I was watching this. Mm. I don't. Yeah, that film was okay. See how that one was pretty good. I wouldn't watch it in theaters, but it was it was always pretty good. But yeah, let's go. Let's focus back on what we're actually doing. <laughs> Jared, um, were you disappointed in the fact that there was no mystery to be had? Yeah, kind of. Interesting. But it's. I really like mysteries and I get really excited by them. And I felt like a lot of the time the dialogue in this film was someone just being accusatory to someone else for no reason and like almost having no backup to what they were claiming. And I guess that's part of why it's funny. Yeah, that's the parody of it. I just feel like they could have gone more with that. Do some like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure or like insane inverted Sherlock Holmes where it's like, I noticed that... uh, you have three hairs on your chin and that could only mean that you went to the barber at this time. Oh, and so make it hyper specific <laughs> instead of. Yeah. 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 Okay. Just get ridiculous with it. Cause a, a lot of the silliness I did enjoy in this film, but when it became repetitious, it didn't always hit the mark for me. Okay. And this film is very cyclical and repetitious in nature on purpose. Yes. And I think sometimes it would work. Other times it wouldn't here. Let me get uh, specific examples. Uh, They keep talking about a character, not listening to another character, right? You're like, well, I told you about this person. I've I've talked to about him all the time. Be like, well, you know, I don't really listen to you. The first time I heard that line, I thought it was good. It was funny. Second time I heard it, it was like, oh, okay, that's a callback. Third time I'm like, okay. And then it's just like, they kept, it kept happening. I'm like, ah, and there is a point where you can keep doing something so much that it does become funny again, yeah. but it's, it's an uphill battle. You have to really work on it. Uh, I wrote something about, Oh, excited about a murder. That's what I wrote. So like people keep getting excited about the mystery and the murder. Yeah. And, the, and then people keep catching themselves doing that. And like, you don't have to point out every time when that thing happens. I, I don't know. 
this is very nitpicky of me. Um, but okay, Dan, what did you think about the skinematography? I'm so glad you asked. Audio, audio, uh, specifically, but, um, we can also talk about camera work Audio too. specifically. What does that even mean? Well, what, how did you feel about the audio design of this film as well? Okay. So, audio so two design, part question. Audio design was very good for what this was like, you know, a film that takes place all in a house. Um, there wasn't that much going on in terms of poor audio design where it's like, you can tell different rooms have different tones and that. Like, yeah. I mean, so I'm not going to bark at um, audio design, but cinematography, dude, they really tried to do some interesting things with the camera, with framing. Um, some of the frames that were interesting didn't necessarily work for me, but they were still frames I've never seen before, basically. But the aspect of it being a self-referential movie and self-reflexive, like, they play with the camera in that way. And I really liked that a lot. Mm. Yeah, I liked, there's like a scene where they're all running through the kitchen mm -hmm. and it, there was all those like pots and pans behind them. Yes. It, it made me think of like Wes Anderson. It was yeah. kind of fun the way it was framed. But yeah, I really did like the framing in this movie, um, like super seamless transitions between the different scenes, unless it was intentionally broken, because they did that a few times where like it was on purpose that they were like cutting to something else. And I really like that. I would say the the only time I didn't like the camera work was the very, very beginning when they're outside mm -hmm. and the camera is panning. It's like the credits are going and it's like introing the movie and, and a couple is coming up to the house for the dinner party and the camera starts to pan just to show the street. And I don't know what it is, but like, it was like very jittery and strange. I think it's just cause it was a digital camera and, and the, maybe the recording couldn't capture the, the pan well enough. I don't, it was, it was odd to me. And it also like filming outside is already really tough to do with lighting and everything else. But uh, other than that, I mean, it was really, really nice. Yeah. I thought, I thought that, that aspect no, of it cinematography was Cinematography was wonderful. And Jared didn't hear the air conditioning. That was great. <laughs> How did you? We'll, we'll do this. Who was your favorite character in this? Oh, I really like the director. Yeah, me too. I thought the director was really, so, really good. So Thomas Tulock, wink, wink, is in the movie, but he's yes. played by somebody else. And like the whole time, the whole time, I'm like, I bet you this guy knows him and like studied him, like been on multiple sets with him. So now he's like acting like a prima donna and like exaggerating what Thomas does yeah. on set. I don't know. That could be it, but the director was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really, really liked him. I actually thought it was Thomas for a second. I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? <laughs> and I went and looked at his face and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's not even him. If it's not the director, I'd have to say my favorite character was... It's a tie between Dark Raven, Storm Shadow, and... <laughs> <laughs> And um, the dad, the professor. Yeah, the professor was pretty great. I think it's per, uh, Mr. Generic. Mr. Generic, Was yes. his name. Uh, I like Kevin, too. Is the that kid. the son? Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> he's just so naive and stupid. That was one callback where he kept saying he wasn't scared, even though no one asked him that I liked. Oh, yeah. I just, I love how, like, naive and, and just doofy he was. That was pretty great. Uh, okay. We're going to spoil the hell out of this movie. If you'd like to see it, it is going to be premiering at the Smodcastle Film Festival. Now, I think this is an in-person event. I don't know if you can watch it streaming. I don't have all the details on it, but I would go check it out. Smodcastle Film Festival. It's Kevin Smith's uh, 
I used to listen to his podcast all the time, and I, I don't know. I kind of stopped doing it a, a few years ago. I should get back into it. What am I doing? What are you doing? What am I doing? Kevin Smith, please listen to this episode. <laughs> he hates critics, though. He really hates us. Oh, uh, He's we, not going to like it. Dude, your, your film Tusk fucked me up. Ooh. Did he, he directed Tusk, right? Yeah, he did yeah. Tusk. Tusk was pretty fun. It was, but it still <laughs> fucked me up. More so than Human Centipede did. Yeah, Human Centipede was kind of disappointing, honestly. Yeah. I thought it was going to be more fucked up than it was. And I, I didn't even watch the other, the sequels or whatever. I'm just like, I don't, I don't fucking care. Um, I don't like it when films are just shocking for shocking sake or whatever, or torture porn. Like, I'm not too yeah, in- interested it's in gross. that. Okay, tangent over. The spoilers have begun. Dan? Yes. Are you okay with me running down the 50 plus characters that are in this film? (laughs) Okay, let's go. Let's go. All right. We have Darren and his wife, Rachel, who are the last one of the last guests to arrive. Oh, I'm sorry. I wrote wife. It's his girlfriend. That is a joke in the film. He's the first guest to arrive. But there's already a bunch of guests at the table is what I mean. Oh, yeah. So when when Darren and Rachel show up, the butler is like, uh, Darren and his wife. And he's like, oh, actually, this is my girlfriend. Like, oh, and I like how he corrects it. He keeps fucking up. Yeah. That was really good. So we have them. We have Mr. Desmond. Uh, I don't remember who Mr. Desmond is, honestly. I know there's Mr. Generic Headmaster, which is the guy who's dressed like a Jurassic Park. Yeah. And his wife. Yeah. Deborah. And then there's. No, Deborah. Deborah's debutante. Bonnie. Bonnie. Yeah. Then there's Mr. Amesworth, who is the the host of the party who's there. He's like, he's super rich, but he's just in like a normal house. (laughs) They make fun of that a lot, too. And then there's uh, Kevin, who is like Mr. Generic's son. And then there is uh, Thomas Tulock, the director, who is the actual director of the film, the film that you are watching. He is there, and literally he is controlling everything that's going on, and it's weird. I love it. <laughs> it's, it's fucking really weird. I love that. I think the script comes out at, at a few moments. Yes. Uh, he's He argues with, like, the sound guy, and it gets really oh, fucking dude, crazy. The boom operator. Oh. The boom operator. Boom, boom operator. operator. That's a, a weird reference from an old podcast. <laughs> but still, that scene was amazing. Because it went on for so, so basically, the, the, they lose sound at one point, and everybody looks over to the right, and the boom guy's just like changing the battery of the microphone, and, yeah, and they just hold on him while he's doing it, and everybody's getting really pissed off and yelling at him, but there's no sound, so you can't hear it. So I think this bit is good. It just went on for too long. I I disagree. It should have been a few I seconds disagree. of him fumbling and then fixing it. I disagree. I liked I liked every close up of the director. I liked every close up of all the other characters. I enjoyed. The I never said anything about close ups. Oh, you mean in that scene? Yeah. I get what you mean. Gotcha. Uh, then we have Randy Dump. Need I say more? It's Randy Dump. Come on, what a great name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have uh, Kim and Young, the young couple, one young, his wife. And then there is, let's see, Deborah, who's in the green dress, and Catherine, who is actually Dark Raven Storm Shadow. And Jessica, um, the, the guy's wife. The wife of Amesworth, who is like dressed as Jessica Rabbit, yes. pretty much yeah, is basically. Jessica Rabbit. 
Um, also, boobs. There's there's boobs there's, in this there's movie. There's at least Dan. four I don't... boobs in this movie. Yes. There's at least four boobs. So Jessica <laughs> flops her boobs around a lot. It's a big plot point to every every man involved in the film can't stop staring at them. They all want to leave their wives for these boobs. Uh, and then we have the sexy maid who is named Yvette, which is the exact same name as the maid from Clue, the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I started to notice even before I realized that those names were the same, that this film has a, a lot of similarities between Clue with like person getting murdered, then the body gets moved or like a character disappears and comes back. So the huge Clue references well, yeah, throughout this whole exactly. thing. And like, that's kind of why I thought this movie was interesting because it's essentially, it's, it's a hyperbole of Clue. Like it's yeah, Clue on I'm steroids, but like to a point where it's at a fault, but then doesn't, like it just like you said it goes cyclical and it it comes back and it comes back and it comes back it because eats itself that's, that's what clue does like if you go back and watch clue it's like it's kind of cheesy but tim curry carries you through the whole movie you know? yeah 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 i mean that movie is ridiculous and i love clue but where i cuz i was afraid that this film was going to just be the movie clue um, and, it, and it wasn't. No. It does change a little later on. And you're like, okay, now we're going in a totally different direction. This is getting really fucking crazy. So I really enjoyed that. I think that's all the characters. I'm, sure I'm sorry if I forgot anyone. There is a lot of characters in this. Oh, the butler. And yes, the butler as well. And um, a lot of murders in this. People yes. just be dying. Body count is high, high, high. How did you feel about some of the explanations of... Like how the lights would go out or how Mr. Um, Amesworth actually died. I thought how he died was actually really silly. And then like everybody. Okay. All of it was just insanely trivial. The the premise behind this, now that we're spoiling it. So Amesworth, he, he he's going to have a murder mystery dinner party and everybody has a card in front of them. And each card says innocent. And there's one card that says victim. And there's another card that says murderer. And they were going to have to find out who was the victim, who was the murderer. But lights go out, then they come back on, and Amesworth is actually dead. Now, what happens at the end of the film is it's explained that he died from a massive coronary and had a heart attack right there at that very moment. But it made all these <laughs> petty people come to life saying, oh, I can get away with murder now because somebody's actually murdering people. So you have like three different killers working at the same time. Three different killers all killing other people for different reasons. At the very end. Oh my God. So eventually the director dies. This is why I find this film so fascinating. We have the director and the director, the relationship he has with all the people. It's so strange because the director is a character in the movie, but he's also the director. So he interacts with these characters both as their character and as their actor. So that line is immediately like just just blurred a hundred percent, like a hundred and ten percent, and you don't know what's happening. Especially to the point where you get to um they're trying to escape. And then they realize they can't escape because the budget for special effects is gone and there's no outside of the house anymore. So it's like there's this genuine um distraught for the characters but also the actors the actors are like kind of like what do you mean we can't leave 
And I'm like, this is so confusing. I love this. Like, I love how they get lost in their own self-reflexivity. It's, it's, oh, it's beautiful. When the host of the party dies, everyone's like, we need to call the cops. We need to leave. And the director keeps stopping them from doing that yeah. where everyone's like, oh no, none of our phones work when it's, but then it's clearly, you can see Raven storm shadow or whatever is playing. She's, she's fucking around on her phone the entire film. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh no, why don't any of our phones work? And then um, when a couple tries to leave the house to just get out of there, the director literally stops her and starts slapping her around like it's an old 1930s movie. And then she, and then I like that where they're all like, they're like, OK, now you slap me. <laughs> also slapping each other. So I, I enjoyed the absurdity of that, I think, worked um, where it wasn't working for me was like, I, yeah, I guess it just again, the repetitive nature of dialogue would be reused again like when when they're all like okay what can we do all right let's call someone they're like oh no none of our phones work then like 20 minutes later we do that scene again they're like okay maybe we should call someone and get help they're like oh no we can't none of our phones like we just we just did this we just did this so like that keeps happening and i guess you were talking earlier about I mean, we both were, but like how the film like keeps wrapping around itself and around itself and like all the accusatory things of them just like randomly pointing to a person. And I see the intent. I just didn't find the entertainment in that. I think that's I was more I was more interested in there was a scene where Mr. Generic and his son were both in the closet together and they were kind of having a heart to heart. And he was like talking about how like, oh, yeah, I think I I think I really like that girl or whatever. I'm going to ask her out. And he's like, oh, yeah, boys will be boys. He's talking to him that I liked. I would rather have one on one scenes where we're just getting more character building between the characters. Mm -hmm. So at least I can start to care about them more. I can start to understand what they're more about. I know that's not really what the film is about, yeah, but I, I feel say. like it could have helped. It could have helped fill that time, though, and, and would have helped it be a little more refreshing from scene to scene. So like we're getting new information every time we interact with these characters besides, uh, you know, just like someone yelling, but you have red on and you're, you're the murderer. And they're like, all right. I don't know. How do you feel about all the things I said? <laughs> um, I am going to take a step away and disagree with you because I think the superficiality of all the characters is pertinent for the meaning of the film. Mm. Like, okay. it, 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 it is something that if you had all those heart to hearts, the self-reflexivity wouldn't work. Like the fact that these characters are so shallow, that's part of why the film is working the way it's working in a parody complex, you know? Well, I'm not saying like every character needs to have a heart to heart back to back. I mean, I, I just wanted more, to learn more about the characters, however I could. Well, okay, like, look at all, okay, you have the Asian couple, they get together and they start saying that they're typecast because Asians are villains all the time. And then you have every time that Jessica gets alone with a guy, like, they, they end up doing something and the guy ends up dying. And then yeah. you have the dad having the heart to heart with, like, all of these all of these interactions are very superficial. Like they, they, mm -hmm. they don't, they're, they're not deep by any means and they're silly and they are absurd. And we know what's going to happen with each one. Right. Exactly. But it's like, I enjoy the silliness. I just don't want to see the same thing over and over again. Like that scene with Jessica seducing a man happens like three or four times in this film. And it's, it plays out the exact same way. And I'm just like, Show me something else. Let's let's see something else happen. Like, I don't want to see this again. 
Um, I mean, it did escalate. You're just mad you didn't get the reverse shot. Oh my God. That was a really funny. All right. I want to talk about some of the funnier scenes in this. That was one of them. So the director is with Jessica and they were like talking before about something else. He's like, Oh, you know what? Why don't we just do our scene together? We have a scene coming up. She's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And then they could, they go right into their scene, which is really funny. And she's like flirting with him. And he's like, Oh, you're the director. You're so powerful. Maybe you could help me and convince people that I'm not the killer. And he's like, okay. And then she, she takes her top off, but she is, her back is to the camera. And then the director's like, oh, thank God I'm on this side. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that so much. I wish it was just that and it cut. But then he put another tag on the bit, mm. which I don't even remember what the tag was, but it's like, just cut that out. You already had a good laugh. It's, it's perfect right? like that. Just, you know, go on to the next thing. You know what it was? They paid her to take her top off and they're like, we're going to get every cent. When they were outside and um, someone had been murdered by like a dart. Yeah. To the neck. Random. They were like, who killed Rand? I love And then that. someone's like, and how killed Rand? And then someone else is like, and why killed Rand? Like, that shit was so funny to me. I don't know why. I went back and watched it twice. I was laughing so much. That, that is a scene <laughs> that I was laughing out loud at because it was so silly. And it just, it, that See, was Rand one run. of the ones that they, they went on forever. And I'm like, run this joke so far. And like... I don't care how far you run into the ground, but it, it needs to go. It needs to keep going. That really worked. If you enjoy puns, you're definitely going to like this movie. This this movie is very pun heavy for sure. Yes. How do you feel about the film? Any any like closing thoughts? Anything else you want to talk about? So yeah, um, I did want to talk about... So the director dies because he... Um, you know what? We're not going to spoil exactly what happens. Go watch this movie whenever it comes out. Um, if you can see this and on this festival circuit. But, um, so I am going to spoil it. I'm just not going to spoil every character's motivation. <laughs> um, there is this scene where the director dies and, um, now the guy who is the first person that's introduced into the film, he, um, the, what's his name? Uh, Darren or Derek. I think it's Darren. Yes. Yes. He's Darren. like, Oh, I've done this before. I can, I can pick it up. So he goes and he picks up the camera and he starts being the director, but He's not like because the director is not the cinematographer. The director is only the director, and the cinematographer is different. But he picks up the camera and he starts being director and cinematographer. And he eventually he gets to a point where he dies, and he's like, "Wait a minute, I don't have to die. I'm the director. I could redo this whole thing." <laughs> and he rewrites the end of the film, and it's so fucking funny. The corniest, it's, stupidest it's, it thing. It has a voiceover. It has all these red and blue lights everywhere, and like all. <laughs> All of the characters have these silly, very soft silly light. Soliloquies. Yeah, it was oh my really, God. really stupid. I loved it. That was kind of fun. I loved that it. That was kind of fun. Uh, I liked how they're like, we are going to stop doing this and arrest you. I thought it was Darren at the very beginning. I didn't realize there was going to be like tons of killers. But then again, it, it picking out who did it is not yeah. important. And then like it even says at the end, it's like, it's part of the journey or the journey is what matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So dumb. <laughs> So dumb. Well, it's the old Alfred Hitchcock thing, the MacGuffin. Like, it's not yeah. about it's not about what the thirty nine steps are. It's about mm -hmm. where you, the movie took you. Yeah, it was about all the birds that pecked your eyes out on the yes. along the way. Yes. Who cares about why the birds are doing it? The birds are doing it, man. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, go leave us a review. I don't know wherever you do that. I guess uh, tell your friends. <laughs> tell your family. Tell people at a dinner party. Are you curious as to what you should tell them? Uh, well, you should tell them that you can find us on 
Twitter at IndieFilmPod. You can find us on Instagram at IndieFilmReviewPod. You can email us at TheIndieFilmReview at gmail.com. We have a Patreon. Um, Thomas Tulak, he is the the most recent patron. We are doing his film now. He was a filmmaker. He's like, hey, I want you to review my film. And then we're like, okay, cool. We put it on a big list. It's about six months. Uh, if you want, though, you can, um, and I don't even think we we advertise this. He just listened to our show. He's like, oh, I just heard you have a Patreon. Here's $5. And we're like, oh, thank you. Here is your movie today. I think week. he heard it listening to the podcast. Yeah, he did. Thank you, Thomas. Tell other Thomases like you to, to, to listen. Yeah, tell every Thomas you meet. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon for filmmakers. Five bucks gets your film on a shorter wait list. Yeah. If you like this show, go check out the Necropodicon. I'll say it right. The Necropodicon.com. A lot of other good shows on there. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, Dan. Final word. Dun, dun. Dun. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Scarlet Storm. Sweller. Party. Necropoticon. Hard to pronounce? Easy to listen.